This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Katie Balls. So today, the leader of the SNP in Westminster, Ian Blackford, has stepped down. James, where's this resignation come from? So I think Ian Blackford stepped down because it appeared that his internal critics in the Westminster group had enough votes to oust him. I think there are kind of three issues here. One is that... Ian Blackford is, you know, generationally older than lots of the SN- SNP MPs. He, you know, comes from a kind of finance background. I think people, some people feel that he's too pally with the Tories, even if they can heckle him in the chamber, you know, that they're, they're, they're too friendly. And then I think there is also a third issue here, which is I think that he has, in kind of SNP style, run a very tight ship. Joanna Sherry who I think most people would consider to be one of the most kind of able SNP parliamentarians. You know, she has had a very a, a kind of diminished role at Westminster because she was a kind of critic of uh, Nicola Sturgeon, critic on gender self ID. So I think I think this is I think this re- represents the beginnings of some un- unhappiness in the SNP, and it, it obviously comes at a difficult time for the SNP after the Supreme Court unanimously rejected the Scottish government and the SNP's case for why Hollywood should be allowed to legislate for an independence referendum without Westminster's consent. Katie, looking over Blackford's years as Westminster leader for the SNP, do you think he was an effective voice for the SNP in Westminster? Well, he's always been a source of comedy um, for those on the opposite benches. And I think Tory MPs and some Labour will accuse Ian Blackford of grandstanding. There was a big row of his humble croft that perhaps wasn't so humble. And I think he was seen as quite performative in terms of the length of his questions. But interestingly, the main complaint when it comes to the, the failed or aborted coup a few weeks ago, which was an attempt to overthrow Ian Blackford, which did not happen. I think Nicholas Sturge and others talked the, the rebels down but he has now obviously chosen to go I think before they move again a lot of that is led by the idea that he is too soft if anything on the Tories or at least not aggressive enough when it comes to the nationalist cause and I think this is interesting because obviously it comes after the court ruling which are saying that uh, Nicola Sturgeon, Scottish Parliament, does not have the power to call another referendum on independence without permission from Westminster. And there's a question as to how does the SNP respond to that. The hope in government is that they will respond by having factional warfare. I mean, various sides are playing off against each other and disagreements about how to go forward with the cause. This certainly shows that there are a significant number of SNP MPs who want a different approach when it comes to laying out the argument. And we'll get the first taste of that at the next Prime Minister's questions. And we could also, I think, see a shake-up of, obviously, the various, um, you know, representative spokesman roles within the Parliamentary Party at this point. Um, And James, looking ahead, who could be the next person to step into this role, if if we know any? So Stephen Flynn, who was rumoured to be preparing a leadership bid, I think is is regarded as the favourite and the most likely to get it. And Katie, in Westminster as well, coming up to the next election, as other MPs have said that they'll step down, one MP has said that, or sources close to him at least, have said that he'll stand again. That's Boris Johnson. So he's in it for the long haul. He's not going to bow out. Hasta la vista, baby. 
Yes, so this is Boris Johnson's sources close saying that he, you know, does, has no plans to stand down in the next election. It's also worth noting that the boundary review is actually fairly good for his seat. It strengthens it and makes it safer. Obviously, if the Tories stay where they are in the polls, which, you know, today, I think reforms seem to be up a bit, according to a YouGov poll, the Tories down a bit. That would be tricky for even seats that seem fairly safe. But yes, so he plans to stand again. I think you've obviously got to look at it in the context that Boris Johnson, when he stepped down in the second Tory leadership contest this year, he said that he still would like to... Ret- he, gave quite a strong suggestion that he would like to return again at some point, but he accepted now was not the right time. So I think you can read it as in clearly wanting to stay uh, involved in politics, but also if you do have people around Boris Johnson, also the man himself, giving lots of hints that they don't think their time in frontline politics is over, this obviously leaves the door open to it. Because I think as soon as you leave the Commons, it's much harder, you know, to, you know, to find a way back in. And lots of people say that George Osborne and others, when they left, is in, it's just a, a much more uphill process. I think it's also interesting in the context of you know how many MPs are quitting or pledged not stand down in the next election, because it's certainly become. I think particularly last week with Chloe Smith, Deanna Davison, a big story. But so far. There's not actually a huge difference in terms of the numbers standing down between Labour and the Tories. There's a difference in age, um, which obviously suggests, you know, Tory MPs who in theory would have a lot of their parliamentary career ahead of them are thinking about other things. But I I don't know if we're going to get a full enough sense of how drastic this exodus is compared to previous ones until much nearer to the next election because this deadline I'm speaking to MPs who aren't quite sure what they're going to do yet but they say well you know this deadline doesn't really mean much because nothing is stopping them from keeping their powder dry for now and deciding in you know six months 12 months time once they've worked out whether or not Rishi's going to can turn the ship around. Mm. And James, where are things with the Privileges Committee at the moment? Because could the decision be taken out of Boris Johnson's hands if he's found um, to have broken rules? So I don't mean they will start their work until January. I think it's, I don't, I mean, um, correct me when I go wrong, Casey, but I don't, I mean, I think, you know, in the very worst case scenario for Boris Johnson, they, they might suspend him last comments. I don't think they could bar him from standing again. I don't, I don't think anyone has that. In, to, in my understanding of the rules, they don't have that kind of power. No, I, I think um, the worst that could happen would could be, be exposed to recall, recall petition, which could then spark a by-election, and then there could be an anti-Tory vote that yeah. could mean he lost his seat. Um, but, so, but, but they couldn't bar him from standing at the next election if he wished to stand, in my understanding. And James, speaking of uh, recall petitions, what about things with Matt Hancock? He's now finished his gig in Australia. When he gets back, if he's not already, is he going to be a Tory MP again? Uh, I think we wait and see, which is, I mean, Nadine Doris and Matt Hancock, unlikely peas in a pod. She appeared on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and had the whip taken away from her. She got it back a few months later. I think we wait to see that we wait to see what kind of Matt Hancock wants to do I mean I speculate in the in the magazine this week but I think it's more likely to see him doing something kind of extra parliamentary I think he's too political a person to give up on politics entirely so I'm, I'm skeptical of the idea but all he's going to do is kind of reality tv shows and the like but I think it's more it's easier to imagine him trying to find some non-Westminster or non-parliamentary route back to politics rather than a kind of straightforward, right, let's try and get back on the greasy pole. Mm-hmm. And Katie, one other person who has been on I'm a Celebrity as well is Kezia Dugdale, the former leader of Scottish Labour, who you speak to in the upcoming episode of Women with Balls. So maybe you can just plug that episode while, as we finish up. Definitely listen to it. 
Um, why, we talk should, about... why should people listen to it? <laughs> I was getting there. Um, no, it's interesting to uh, Kezia Dugdale, who's obviously a former Scottish Labour leader and went into the jungle at the time, also really heavily criticised by her party, Scottish Labour. And she quit politics full stop quite soon after that. And she makes quite an interesting admission, not to just ruin it, there's plenty of other interesting things in the conversation, I promise, um, which was, you know, put to her... What do you think of the argument she also made at the time, which is, oh, people get to see, you know, you're reaching a wider audience. We heard Matt Hancock say it. And she said, well, if I'm being completely honest, I did it for the money. So don't miss that. KTN James, thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening at home. If you like this podcast, please do rate and review us and you can subscribe as well. Thanks.